0: Welcome to episode one of Arcs Fund Services Series. We've got Jay Amar and Brian Botha today to kick us off on Fund Administration Software in the Era of Recession. Uh, before we get into that foreboding that headline, Jay, let's, uh, let's start with you. Would you mind introducing yourself to anyone uh, watching who doesn't already know who you are?
1: Sure, thank you, Chris. And, and thanks for including me on this webinar with Brian. And I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here and, sh- and share my insight. So my background spans 29 years in the industry. Uh, all fund administration for closed end vehicles. I'm a fund accountant myself. So I have built teams from the ground up for the last 29 years. So I really have seen the evolution of workflow processes and technology around fund operations. So I'm really excited to be here. Excellent.
0: And um, Brian?
1: Yeah, thank you, Chris,
2: for including me. Looking forward to this discussion. I recently joined as head of business development at Arc. Uh, Arc is a solution provider being adopted by fund administrators and fund managers, which delivers curated investment reporting to their clients. I've spent my career focused in the private capital markets with one foot planted firmly in financial technology and the other in fund administration services, having worked at PwC and a number of leading FinTech platforms. Which have been widely adopted by private equity and service providers in the global private capital markets.
0: Excellent, thank you both. So, so let's let's dive into it. Um, and Jay, you're you're a, a consultant advisor in the fund services space um, broadly. I, I think we can say, and and um, we have a somewhat, I'll take responsibility for it, a somewhat foreboding title of fund administration software in the year of recession. Um, what? If we're talking about workflows and technology in 2022, um, don't we have to acknowledge the warning lights um, that are blinking out? There's a lot of headlines about uh, where inflation is going and, and the potential for recession. Um, if we have hard times ahead, is that going to force decisions on tech uh, at fund administrators or operations? Um, can you tell us what to, what you think about that?
1: Sure. You know, I think in general. Fund operations, whether it's internal operations from a fund manager or at fund administrators, currently there's a lot of attrition going on in the industry. Uh, you know, we we all live in a new world now for the last two years, where technology has taken hold, and we we do a lot of remote working, which has caused a lot of people to question their careers and where they want to be physically, and then where they want to work and how they want to work. So we're all going through that together. So that has created a lot of Attrition in the space, and I think technology is really going to play a key role in, in solving that for a lot of fund managers and fund administrators and with a looming recession with costs, obviously with with the attrition and people changing jobs that actually increases the cost of of resources, uh, which even puts more pressure on your second largest cost in your fund operations group is, is typically going to be your technology so naturally that's going to be looked at. Uh, so I think which fund administrators are going to focus on quality control technology that can offer quality control more efficiently and, and technology that can help them scale their business and ease of use and trainability and things like that are going to be critical for firms and their technology choices going forward.
0: So if I can recap that, make sure I'm understanding, uh, we have inflation And I suppose compensation needs to come up with uh, inflation. At the the same time, uh, we're looking at a potential um, slowdown. So you need to get more done with potentially fewer people. You have folks leaving. You need to pay more for that talent. You're saying that that, does that take off the table, uh, the idea of bringing more uh, bodies on board to handle work?
1: I think... I think it'll be interesting. The last time we went through a financial crisis, uh, actually the closed end private equity markets kind of grew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm interested though. I'm reading various different articles every day. Some say private equity is going to boom. We had, I think we had a pretty strong second quarter for fundraising and private equity. But then I read some articles that the recession this time could impact private markets as it's impacting valuations of portfolio companies, right? I think values have been really high the last five, 10 years. And I think they may stabilize and come down, which could impact how funds get allocated and investors look for opportunities in the private markets. Uh, so I think, you know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure, no matter how you look at it, on resources, which then really goes into your technology choices and what you choose to run your operations as fund administrators. You know, what technology platforms you offer, how how easy. You can train your staff and get them up and running on those technology platforms and configure those so that you can get work done uh, for your clients and same thing with internal operations. You know we're seeing a lot of the large general partners who historically have kept things in house are willing to co source or outsource pieces of their operations. And there's a lot of discussion of what technology should we be using you know there's a lot of good technologies out there but there are some of them are dated and old especially for fund managers who are using them internally they might be on older systems that legacy systems that they may be on for 15 20 plus years and they might be a little more clunky and not as user friendly as some of the newer technology that's in the marketplace so i think yeah i think technology is going to play a big role in 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 the coming months and definitely into 2023 on how operations teams view their tech stack, their workflow processes, et cetera.
0: Perfect. And and, uh, Brian, you've been on the technology side talking to fund services and um, we've talked about technology and automation coming to fund services for for quite some time. Are the conversations that you're having out there changing uh, in the last few weeks? Is there anything uh, different in terms of what you're hearing?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, I can re- reiterate a lot of the themes that Jay kind of touched on, right? I definitely agree that there's this uh trend towards digital transformation that's going on. I think that's gonna f- most likely accelerate uh given mm-hmm. where things are going. Uh, you know, what where where there's you know headwinds coming uh to the fund managers in the space that we operate in, those can in a way kind of be tailwinds for the, the fund administration space when uh, there's limited headcount to look and review hundreds of technology solution and platforms out there for a given GP. Um, it can be uh, a quite uh, uh, an ask for for that type of a firm. You know, we're not living in the days of one or two vendors. There's literally, if you look at PE stack, there's hundreds of vendors to pick from. But I think the in the current environment that we're looking at. Um, There's going to be more and more pressure for a GP to uh, lean on the expertise of a fund administrator and the service providers who have expertise when it comes to technology. And when it comes to the the technology in general, I think firms, there's going to be more pressure uh, in the weeks and months ahead for um, implementations are going to need to be more turnkey. I think too many vendor technologies out there uh, from what I've seen uh, just, you know, take months and months to implement. And that's really not something I think that uh, anybody wants to, to see. And there's, there's a lot of competition out there with firms being willing to have um, more of a turnkey solution. So I think that trend is going to be on the rise and there's a couple other trends as well. Things, um, you know, just, Overall pricing, Jay mentioned that it's a it's a big cost uh, for fund administrators to, you know, looking at technology. So making sure that those costs are transparent. Um, yeah, the reality is that, you know, uh, a lot of the costs can be somewhat hidden when it comes to technologies available for this industry. You know, you, you think you're getting free support when, in fact, um, you know, some calls to support are charged and uh custom reports that clients ask for which are uh, a mainstay of this industry those aren't going away um it cost you know more for the the whether it's the gp or the fund administrator to uh address those those concerns that lps might be um requiring um so i think the 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 there's, there's going to be um more and more of these uh these trends are going to to help uh both gps and fund administrators kind of uh, determine which which of the vendors out there that are going to be able to meet their needs kind of going forward.
0: Perfect. So then I want to come back to that, um, Brian. <clears throat> and if I want to ask uh, Jay a question, um, when, when I come back to you, I'd love to hear more about some of those um, pain points and whether there's any sort of force ranking or hierarchy of, of, um, pain points that might become more salient in, in the future. I don't know if you have an opinion on that. Um, Jay, if I come back to you. Sure. Uh, so so Brian has laid out some of the frustrations. Um, can we go on the light side for a second? And sure. can you tell us more about, are, are, there, are there particular, in your conversations, or when you're uh, advising uh, fund services um, teams, Is there a hierarchy of priorities or trends in technology adoption? Are there certain things like configuration, perhaps, I don't know, um, that are top of the list?
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's good. And I can kind of add on to what Brian was speaking to. And I think one of them that I'd put at the top of the list is your implementation costs, right? Whether you're a GP that's outsourcing for the first time, or if you're a GP who's with a fund administrator having poor services and you wanna to switch to another administrator, what is that transition process? If you're on a legacy system for 15 plus years, what does that look like? Going back to the resource constraints that the industry is feeling throughout, uh, you know, how do you get that done? How do you switch? Like our GPs feeling, oh, I just have to stay with the service model I have, even though I'm, I'm not happy with it. And I think the answer is no, you don't. I think there's technology solutions that are out there and, and coming around uh, more so that will allow that implementation cost to be reduced and you know be able to bulk move some of the data around. And I think people are a lot smarter than they were 10 or 15 years ago with how do we do an implementation of closed-end funds with moving allocation rules, waterfall models, et cetera. You really have to Go back and create the books if you're going to if you're going to maintain the books and records for a closed end vehicle you can't just take the beginning balances at a point in time and move forward you have to bring the historical data into your system um so i think that's opening the conversation Okay, what technology should we be using um how does that technology uh do a transition handle a transition uh can i do it seamlessly i i think the answer it's a combination the technology is getting stronger the process around implementations getting a lot more intelligent. So people are putting packages together that are, that are being more successful. Then it also So I put that as one of the top orders of, you know, in ranking orders uh, implementation, how can we get onto your system from an implementation standpoint? Then on a going forward standpoint, how does your product, you know, technology stack let me scale my business. How configurable is it? If I have a, uh, if I'm a fund administrator and I add a new client, how quickly can you deploy a web portal for me? How how quickly can I get a web portal out to my new investors for my new client? Right? Uh, I think that's critical because people don't want to get backlogged and say, oh, you know, I'm ready to fundraise. I'm, I'm fundraising. Fundraising is going well, and hey, we're going to do a call to our new investors, and I need to, the web portal up and running because everything is done. Almost all investor communications is done through an investor web portal, and I need to get that communication out fairly quickly. I cannot be backlogged by an old technology process or platform that's going to take me four, five, six weeks to get up and running. I need to configure a database quickly. I need someone to configure that that's more of an operations person that I don't have to go to a development team. So I think the technologies are moving forward towards that uh, where it's going to be easy to configure. So I would put that as probably number two, configurability of a system um, and then quality, right? What type of quality control does the system have? Does it have the proper checks and balances? Is it gonna give me, like Brian mentioned the standard reports. There's a half a dozen or so standard reports that we all produce for the last 20 years since I've been in the industry and they're not gonna change, right? Your capital statements, your schedule of investment, roll forward details, those types of things are not gonna change. Um, ILPA statements change some formats here and there, but you know, how is the system going to handle that? You know, does it do the standard stuff? Does it allow me to configure new reports that I might want? A lot more analytics are going into things. I know the, the current firm that I advise for is very big on ESG, so they want to be able to track more and more metrics. So, how does the platform allow us to track more metrics and pierce through? Or, you know, I think sometimes technologies fail when they try to do too much. Right. So, you know, should you be using tech platforms that are very, really good at very specific things and then can be married with other technology platforms that might be stronger in some of the data analytics? Right. And how they configure and how do they push and pull data from one another? I think that I'd put that as probably the next ranking of what people are going to look for in their technology stack. So I, I think I said a lot there. I'll stop there. Maybe you can ask more questions or if Brian wants to add to that. Um, we can go from there.
0: I'm gonna jump in front of Brian for a second. Uh, so implementation, um, and that sounded like ease. And then I think a cost is, sounds like it's an element of it, configuration and quality. Um, if I keep jumping in front of Ryan. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so it, it sounds like, especially those first two, the, first, the third one sounds like um, if you've achieved the first two is, are things, have you achieved it by being sloppy? um maybe um the first two seem to be about time and speed and everyone i've ever talked to in the private equity industry is like look we're you know there's a certain pace and and this style of investing um is not as rapid as so there are other parts of you know private capital is is there a need for configuration or agility now that didn't exist or an expectation that that's changing? What what could drive someone to want to have configuration, whereas in the past, maybe, maybe it wasn't such a big deal?
1: No, I think it's a good point. I think you had a little bit more time historically, right? You know, We didn't do everything through a web portal and everything wasn't instantaneously you know, delivered to a, a p- prospect or a potential investor or a current investor. And I think times have changed. Everyone's used to, everything's online. Everyone's logging onto their portals to get their stuff. So I think I mean, back in the day, we used to mail subscription agreements out, right? And then they'd get mailed back. You know, um, you know Then we went to email. Uh, now we're going towards portals. Let's get the information on a portal. There's more reliance on AML and KYC procedures. Like how do we get our KYC documents to the internal operations team or the fund administrator to do, to do their due diligence on the investor? So I think speed's important. I think deal structure and is a little quicker, too. You know, what I see on the fund admin side for some of our clients on the on, on that side of the business is that, you know, they'll do an SPV to do one deal, right? They'll do a special purpose vehicle. Hey, we want to do this deal today. We know we want to fundraise and we want to put another fund together. But these deals are available now. We have investors that have an appetite for that specific deal. Let's just put an SPV together one investment, but it's, a you know, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 investors. So we need to get that information out and we want to do that tomorrow. And we might do five of those before we do a co-mingled fund. Uh, so we are seeing a lot of that. I think that picks up the speed as well, Chris, where, you know, we need to get information out quickly. So I think the speed is really important. And I think that third one was a combination of quality control, but then also, you know, specific technology that does things really well if you know let's say you know a tech that does something really well does the core accounting the allocations the portal really well and maybe marries that system really speaks well with another system that does deeper on data analytics of portfolio companies i think that's what people want i think some of the technologies that are trying to do everything on one platform have gotten really cumbersome really hard to use hard to configure hard to deploy and they were they weren't made for what they are trying to do with it so i think that's where i see tech the tech stack going is do what you do do it really well and then open your tech stack so they can speak to other platforms and and really create a proper efficient workflow process throughout your whole ecosystem of technology
0: got it perfect so then brian if i'm coming to you and and you're fun from- administrator and i say i've got uh i've got um better implementation i've got uh better configurability i've got better quality what are the things that if we go back to that hierarchy that a fund administrator might call bs on or or say hey have it, do you really
2: yeah I, I think you guys covered a lot of that uh, but just to prioritize those right just to kind of put them uh through a lens here I would say it's usability, it's transparency, flexibility, and also control. So, kind of touching on a few use cases that uh, other ones that I think you know uh, we talked about a little bit. Uh, usability everybody everybody thinks about that end user when it's a technology firm providing, say, a portal for LPs to log into. The LP is the end user. But more and more, the way that te- this technology is kind of uh, evolving is there's a fund administrator that needs to log into that portal to set it up, to be able to, and you know, there needs to be workflow between the GP, the fund admin, and the LP to get that reporting out there. Um, and And so if the use case isn't really, Thinking about the end user who's at that fund administrator that's doing that's setting the user permissions that's engaged in that workflow when uh, bank wire instructions get come come in from the LP and need to be approved, Um, then uh, you know that that has an impact on employee retention at the fund administration shop. Um, because you know those folks need technology that works and needs uh, ease of use so that usability is really key and, and it has to be thought through by these technology vendors not just by one constituent but all the other use cases in there as well um, when it comes to transparency uh, Jay touched on this really well with uh, with things like implementation costs and timing um, the portal shouldn't take months to deploy. But uh, there's there's really complex pricing models out there, you know, user-based models and entity-based models. I think uh, more and more as we head into these these headwinds coming in the, in the months and, and years ahead, we're going to be looking for um, pricing models that allow the fund administrator and the GPs. To really have a budget that's not going to get blown when it comes to, um, you know, deploying technology, uh, the support really should be free and not uh, extra. Custom reports—you should be able to have a have a, an idea of how those are going to work and how you how you're going to be able to uh, pay for those in, in a in a way that makes sense. Um, you know, when when a new version of the software comes out that's radically different from the last one, users should be trained by the technology vendors there should be an ease of transition over rather than um, another uh, opportunity for end users to have to um, you know pay for extras so that transparency is really key and then um, so besides usability and transparency flexibility we talked a little bit about you know letting the the vendor and the technology platform allow their their users to uh, sit in the driver's seat, right, so that they can do things like not having to go back to the vendor for um, things that 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 uh, the the end user wouldn't have expected to have to go back to the vendor for. Uh, an example of that that when you're spinning up a portal and you're adding a logo, if you're the uh, service provider to the GP, for example, um, you know you should be able to do those things free and clear of of the of the vendor having to get roped back into the uh, timeline so that you you, you, you have uh, more increased risk of not getting that deployed on, on a timely basis. And then to Jay's point that um, flexibility and control going back to the APIs and the integration of the data that's moving between these different parties and between these different technology platforms, which is happening more and more, to make sure that those APIs are there um, and and data can flow seamlessly from one place to the next in a secure fashion.
0: I'm slow with my unmute button. Um, Excellent. So I think we've set the table here with this first episode, uh, I think, in terms of what fund services is looking for, what fund service leaders are looking for, the duress they're uh, under, and where technology is both desired but maybe falling short. And uh, for the folks that are watching, um, we'll share some detailed points on, on this webcast and it makes sense for us to have another set of webcasts in the series where we'll interview uh, leaders in the industry that uh, we we were I I was somewhat dismissive about quality like it's table stakes Um, but it would be interesting to talk to someone on the fund administration side about okay well if you do have um, an elimination of these pain points um, so better implementation better configurability and then uh, quality um, uh, increasing, what do you do with that? Like, what, is it, what does that allow you to do from an aspirational perspective and, and to compete? Um, and then it might be helpful for folks to sort of understand how to, how, to, how to go shopping for this kind of thing. What are the right questions to ask to make sure uh, you're getting um, the right solution? So we would encourage folks to stay tuned uh, for that. And um, Brian and Jay, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, Brian um, or Jay, I'm going to ask one pet peeve question before we close out. Sure. Um, we've talked about implementation fees and we've talked about what I might call sort of nickel and diming um, for things that you kind of thought should have been included. Or um, I, I, I think we all want to be fair to the people that are helping us or to you know software vendors. Um, but alternatively, it, it, it seems like it's almost too easy to lean on an implementation fee as another stream of revenue and uh, extras um, or complex pricing as a way to find um, you know a little additional margin. Is there a virtue to um, a vendor who tries to, or a, or a developer that tries to build a platform that eliminates implementation fees as much as possible? Um, Theref, thereby making it economically imperative to make software that 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 does what what Jay was talking about in terms of implementation and configurability. Should folks be feeding that feeding the animals so to speak and and uh, putting up with implementation fees?
1: No, I think uh, maybe I'll answer it first, and then Brian can, can can add add to it. From from a fund administration perspective, there's definitely that costs of the technology when we're implementing it what what do we have to pay our vendor our technology vendor to help us do that Uh, there is also resources on the fund admin side fund accountants that need to get involved and that's probably unavoidable when you're talking about physical resources but from a technology perspective our our thing is like we don't want to have to have additional tech costs because you know we're going to be putting more work on the platform and then in essence the fees will be adjusted accordingly and it's a long-term vision it's not just a one one and done type of relationship so we really do look for minimal if zero tech costs uh, when it comes to implementation um, and the other thing i want to mention what brian mentioned about control earlier is also when fund managers are deciding on technology specifically on these implementation costs but then thinking forward you know, how do I use this as a co-sourcing model for control of data? Because of all the attrition going on in the industry, whether it's internal attrition or at ad fund administrators, if you pick a technology that you can implement at a fairly low cost, and then you can control the data, uh, then you can control. You know, do I hire people internally? Do I outsource? What a fund admin? Do I do a combination of both? I'm currently advising on several of these opportunities where we're, we're talking about a, a proper co-source relationship. So I just wanted to mention that as well. My closing closing statement here.
2: Yeah, I'll just add to that that I think there is a, an absolutely a trend in the space to for technology out there to be as turnkey as possible, and getting to a point in the near future where there really isn't much of an implementation. I mean, the three things that jump into my head is like, what is an implementation comprised in? It's getting the end users trained on the software, it's getting the data into the software, and it's getting the reporting set up. More and more, reporting is never going to be completely standard, um, but if you can hand the keys over to the, the client as the end user, whether that's the fund administrator or the fund manager, to be able to use the technology in a user-friendly way that allows them to customize the reporting themselves once they're trained, then it's really just a training issue rather than having to, um, you know, uh, older technologies kind of forcing the hands of their clients or their fund administrators to Come back to get a custom report done, or you know, the, it's really just putting that end client uh, into the driver's seat. And I think more and more technology firms are going to be feeling the pressure to do that to get te- uh, implementations, uh, you know, down to something that's very turnkey. And uh, the incentives are there, I think, in the space to to drive that uh, to to a really good place in the near future.
0: Fantastic! Thank you both very much. Um... And uh, folks, stay tuned uh, for the next few episodes.